And welcome to episode 111 of McChesney Unchained, coming to you from 6 Joe Football Academy down here in my office. We're on Zoom today. Thank you to Adam for all of his hard work. Uh, remember, you can go to DNVR and get down there in the studio and the bar and uh, support all your local Colorado teams from the Nuggets to the Avs uh, to the Rockies. Yes, even the Rockies are still playing baseball. Um, in fact, they just started, even if you don't know that. Um, and make sure you get down there at DNVR off of Colfax and support. It's an unbelievable studio and bar and atmosphere, and they sure do love their Colorado sports. Uh, it's a pretty special place to so get your ass down there. Uh, today's episode is, is short and sweet. We don't have a lot to talk about here as we wind up everything with the Broncos and looking towards the draft. Um, right off the bat, I want to tell everybody about the uh, showcase football camp that we've got coming to Colorado. Uh, it's invite only, and we're in the process of inviting a whole bunch of kids around the state, kids from Nebraska and Kansas and Wyoming and, and other places, uh, Arizona. We've got a bunch of guys signed up already, and there's more coming down the pipe. So my man Keith Miller will join us next week to talk about the showcase and the camp and what we're going to be doing. It's a three-day event. Uh, it's going to end up uh, ending down at Cherokee Trail High School at Legacy Stadium. We'll be there Sunday, uh, so all the parents can come out and watch everybody compete. We're going to be doing combine numbers and testing and film, and it's a massive uh, opportunity to get recruited. And, uh, you know, in, in the state of Colorado, this place is hobby town, in my opinion, and it drives me absolutely up a wall. Uh, and I, I'm really happy that we could bring a camp to the state of Colorado rather than guys having to constantly leave and dropping a ton of money uh, to buy flights and hotels and things of that nature for one day camps and three or four reps. So make sure you check every, everything out at showcaseball.com. Uh, and if you want to go to the camp and you haven't gotten an invite, just reach out at Sixer Academy on Twitter or Instagram. And we would do everything humanly possible to make sure you get to the camp and get this opportunity to go out and show up for these college coaches uh, and, and uh, have a good three days from May 14th, 15th, and 16th. So like I said, this is episode 111 of McChesney Unchained. And we roll um, right off the bat. Okay, I wanted to talk about the Nuggets a little bit before we uh, before we jump into the remainder of the show uh, and, and talk about the Broncos and the draft and beat that dead horse because goddamn, it's dead as hell. I can't wait until the draft over is over with at this point. Um, so the Nuggets, the game last night was awesome. Uh, you know, one point victory over Portland when Lillard's playing. That that's no, he's no slouch. He's one of the best uh, points in the game. I'd love that for that guy to be in Denver. Obviously, that's wishful thinking, but still. Um, I mean, Jokic is just – I understand I'm biased because I'm a Nugget fan, but being a fan of the Warriors and the Nuggets right now is really, really fun. I mean, I grew up a huge fan of Golden State when they had fucking Chris Mullen and they cross over Timmy Hardaway and them boys. And, you know, when they wore those disgusting uniforms and they beat Dallas when they were the eight, Dallas was the one that was awesome. And then watching them win titles and Steph Curry and his greatness has been pretty cool. I didn't really like the Durant teams. So that's just because I don't like Kevin Durant. I don't know why. Um, I, I'm excited to see Golden State. I think they're going to be a huge problem in the playoffs. And Steph Curry has every right to be viewed as an MVP, and he has been in the past. And honestly, if they were a four or five seed, he probably win it. Uh, but the MVP is Nikola Jokic, and I don't, I don't see how you can even debate this anymore. I know Embiid is up there on a lot of people's lists on the East Coast, but he did miss a lot of games. I'm not saying he can't win the MVP missing that many games. I'm saying 
Nicola hasn't missed more than one, if any. Uh, and he's super consistent and he's a great leader and he's humble and guys love playing with him and also for him. I think he's reached that point with the Nuggets where guys know that they can't fuck around and, and go out there and give half effort. He's going to be on their ass. And I, I just love his mannerisms. I love his leadership. Um, I've never in my life seen a big man pass like this. I mean, the, he had one the other night, like behind his back, just kind of dropped the dime and it, it, it was right under the basket. It was incredible. I mean, the cross court passes for three are incredible. I just, he's elevating everybody's game so much that I'm not going to sit here and say they're better without Murray, uh, Jamal Murray, but damn bro, they're pretty good. And I don't care if Jokic has to run the point the entire fucking playoffs. I just, I want the ball in his hands and I want him to, to dictate. It seems like when the ball goes through 15, good things happen. Um, whatever we have to do to get uh, PJ Dozer more minutes, let's do it. That guy is playing his ass off. He is lethal from behind the arch. He's really, really, really athletic. I think he's another one of these guys on this team that that, that just providing so much depth and explosive play. I, last year, I thought they were pretty deep and good, and I think they're even better this year, uh, especially losing, you know, Murray and, and their entire backcourt's out and Dozer stepping up the way he is. Uh, I I I think that the addition of Evans, I believe his name is the, is the, the point, the power forward that comes in off the bench from Memphis. I think that's his name. I can't remember. He's been incredible up to this point. I, I know that he played that, that role for Memphis for many years and he's doing a really, really good job of filling the, the void left by Jeremy Grant last year. So that's good to see. Um, I think the team overall has really picked up its game since Jamal went down. And again, I reiterated this last week, and I'll bring it up again. Uh, but this is a massive opportunity for for Michael Porter Jr. to take over that number two slot on this team. And I'm not saying that Jamal Murray is is expendable. I'm saying that it, the Nuggets sure do look good when his 25 shots are split up around the the team the way they have been. Um, and then lastly, Paul Millsap. I've been real hard on Paul Millsap. I. I you know, I didn't like him as a starter. I Some of the shit he did drove me up a wall. I'm not a basketball player by any means, but I sure do love watching it, and I feel like I'm relatively educated on the history of the game and how things work and so on and so forth. And I love Millsap off the bench. I think he's been fucking awesome. You know, a breath of, breath of fucking fresh air, a lightning bolt off the bench that could come in there and ball. He's got a couple of double-doubles under his belt since, uh, uh, or, you know, since the, since the All-Star break. And, I think that he's a very, very good uh, leader off the bench, and he, he demands his guys play hard, and he's like a, a calming force. When 15's not on the floor, it's good to have a vet like Paul Millsap on the floor. Uh, so we'll, we'll see all that, how all that goes. Uh, the one-point victory last night was huge as they continue to chase the Clippers for, uh, for, for, their, for the three-seed, I believe. The Nuggets are the four at the moment. Um, I will say this, the Houston game on, on Saturday, I'm going to go to the game uh, down there at Ball Arena, down there at the SAC, and, uh, and, and see what I can see. I haven't been. I went to a, a Magic a Heat game when I was down in Orlando with my kids uh, at Universal, and that was pretty fucking cool. That was awesome. So I'm excited to get in Ball Arena and watch these guys play. I'm going to go on Saturday night with one of my 
one of my employees down here, we're going down to, to raise a little bit of hell down there in Denver. Um, so that, that should be fun. I'm very interested to see how they look Saturday night playing a team in Houston that is awful, uh, that they ran down there in Houston last week. Um, and, and, you know, I think that they'll win easily Saturday. And, and as they roll into the you know, last couple of games, here, I think their magic number, Scotty Hastings said the other night was eight. So I'm, I think it's seven now. They win, they get seven wins in there you know, in the playoffs and, and locked in. Uh, before we move on from the NBA, I don't know, maybe Adam can answer this question for me down the road, but why in the hell are they doing a play-in for 7, 8, 9, and 10? I mean, aren't we playing 72 games to figure out who's 7 and 8? I mean, that that's ridiculous to me. I think it's dumb as hell. And I really hope the NBA doesn't do that again next year. Although, although if the gold if Golden State does end up the nine seed, I kind of want to see a playing game with Steph Curry because that would be, I don't know, that'd be pretty damn uh, exciting to say the least. So I, I don't know why the hell they're doing that this year. And uh, Adam, do you do you know why? Yeah, there's two reasons, and you said one of them. You're gonna watch. They're gonna do something. If oh, you're gonna watch, watching. you're gonna be you're gonna be very tuned in if Steph Curry has one game to beat the Dallas Mavericks to knock them out of the playoffs. But number two. It's for tanking reasons. They don't like teams tanking. And you look at it, if you only take the top eight, that 10 seed, 11 seed, they'll probably start tanking by now. Instead, oh, we can make the playoffs? Keep pushing. So I don't like it either. It's weird, but it does have some benefits. Do you think it'll stick? I do. Because I do. think tanking is the worst thing going on with the NBA right now. And there's you should tank if you're going to miss the playoffs. But if only three or four teams are going to miss the playoffs by the All-Star break, then that's good. That means you get 26 teams that are still trying to make the playoffs all season long. Well, okay. I, then, you know, and that's exactly why I'm asking you because <laughs> you know more than me. So a very good point. Thank you, Adam. Um, yeah. So, so look, I, I'm excited about the playoffs, the NBA playoffs. I, I love watching the playoffs and, and national basketball association. Those guys play so hard and look, man, I play a grunt sport, you know, football's a grunt sport where I can work myself into being a pretty good football player if I stay healthy and so on and so forth. And guys can show up and bust their ass. And no one's saying basketball players don't work hard. I know they do. But you either are 6'10 and can jump through the roof and have handles and can, like, shoot and do what you do, or you can't. So, <laughs> you know, no one's really teaching Nicola shit. He kind of lost some weight and, you know – the big Siberian is just out there dishing. So I, I, I think that's more of the, you know, God given uh, talent sport. And that's one of the reasons I want, I like watching it so much, especially when they get into the playoffs and it becomes hyper competitive. So I literally cannot wait to watch the, the nuggets in the playoffs this year. Uh, and the Western conference playoffs are going to be an absolute battle of attrition in the Eastern conference. I'd imagine Philly or, uh Brooklyn will come out of the east although don't sleep on the heat man the the heat made the finals last year and Jimmy Buckets is a gamer and you know I, I really I, I really like the team around him and you know it, they've been off and on but I watched the game the other day and I know Durant and Harden didn't play but they were giving Brooklyn everything they had I love Bam Adjabayo a lot I think that kick can play so I'd like to think the Heat will give somebody a, a, a run in the East when the time comes. So we will see on all that as we move forward here on episode episode 111 of McChesney Unchained. And uh, we want to talk to you about our good friends at Maven. Uh, Maven Hemp is our neighbor here at Six Zero Football Academy. My man Zev is in here training all the time. And uh, I actually just got done taking my uh, CBD pills after my workout this morning. 
And whether it's a post-workout ritual or pre-workout uh, with the muscle rubs and the tinctures, Maven's been there for me uh, since we moved in here and, and I met Zev. It's at mavenhemp.com. That's the website. If you go on there and check it out, use the promo code 60, you'll get 10% off everything you buy. And from the muscle rubs to the tinctures to the uh, CBD pills, it's helped me a ton with both sleep and anxiety and pain and the bone on bone stuff I have in my shoulders. It's helped a bunch with that. So, you know, it's not a cure all or anything, but it's definitely, a, you know, a very, very good CBD company that's hemp based. And remember, you can use the promo code 60 at checkout and get 10% off your purchase. Uh, so make sure you check out uh, mavenhemp.com and at mavenhemp on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, thanks for being part of McChesney Unchained. So as we roll here, uh, Denver Broncos, okay? The Denver Broncos and the ninth pick, first of all, I cannot wait until the draft is over. Like I, According to everyone on TV, there's only one round and there's only one guy that's getting drafted. And that it just, I don't understand. First of all, I'm undrafted. So I take that with a grain of salt, but I'm pretty sure like the majority of the great players for the Broncos, with the exception of Vaughn and like Simmons, like Phil Lindsay was undrafted. Chris Harris Jr. is undrafted. Ross Smith's undrafted. Like they've got guys that just, Austin Slotman's undrafted. He's a, he's a starting right guard for them if Glasgow's hurt, which he always is. So I, I, I'm very excited about the Broncos draft. Um, I, I need the draft to be over with because I don't know how much you can just repeat the same shit, and I'm doing it as well. Um, but it, it kind of is what it is. I, I'm torn on the pick. I, first of all, I'd love to trade back and accumulate because I think I think quantity and quality are important here, but quantity is very important to get, you know, maybe three or four guys you draft if they stick and they work out and one or two of them become starters. That's a successful draft class, in my opinion. I don't know why you have to hit a, a thousand percent on the draft class to be it, to have it be deemed successful. Um, I will say this, though, the. Ninth pick with the Broncos in the situation they're in. I don't want them to jump at drafting a quarterback just to draft a quarterback. I don't think that's the right move. I, I'd like to think that the Broncos have enough faith in the development of Drew Locke to kind of ride with that guy and see what they can see. Um, Put it, he's in Schumer's system again. Apparently, he's been really impressing and working with Peyton Manning and all that bullshit. That's great. Um, I'd like to, I'd like to think that the Knights pick will be used on a position of need, but I'm also of the mindset the best player available is where they should go. And if that's a quarterback, which I really doubt, then they draft the quarterback. But I have a feeling that Rashawn Slater or Penny Sewell will be there. And I don't know how you pass up on a guy who can play right tackle for you for 12 years. Uh, if they are, especially with the ability to get rid of fucking Jawan James as fast as humanly possible. Um, I, I really despise that guy on a cellular level. And it's, it, it, I like, him. I think he's soft and he doesn't want to play football and he signed for 60 million bucks and it pisses me off. And usually I don't care. It's not my money, but you know, I, I had players tell me before they even signed Juwan that he doesn't really like football, and I concur. I don't think he likes it at all. And I think he likes the idea of being a football player a lot more than what it actually takes to play right tackle. 
At the same time, though, I hope I eat crow on this as much as humanly possible because if he comes out and plays well and they don't have to draft the right tackle and they feel confident that he can do it and he plays at a, you know, a, a good level where, you know, Drew Locke's not getting hit in the fucking teeth every time he tries to throw the ball. And the, in the past, I was worried about it getting hit in the back of the head, but 72's got his shit together. And I had to eat a bunch of crow on that, and it's the best crow I've ever eaten. So I'd like to think that Jawan James and the ability for him to maybe go out there and actually play football and earn his money, I'd love to eat crow on this, and I'm sure everybody in the media would love to. But I don't see that happening. I, Garrett Bowles always liked football. He just didn't have a, a road to improve. He figured it out. Munchak and Cooper and everybody together figured that problem out, and he's an all-pro and got paid. Jawan James got paid and shut that shit down. Unless he's 100%, he can't play, and that's not the way football players operate, especially offensive linemen. So, honestly, I'd love to see somebody else get the opportunity at that position, and if it means we have to draft somebody cool, and if it means Quinn Bailey or Calvin Anderson get those opportunities, uh, two of the backup offensive linemen, cool. Um, if it's Michael Parsons, the linebacker from Penn State, I'm cool with that. He's a workout warrior. He can fly. He can cover. I, I know he opted out last year, but for everybody that's like, well, I don't know if he likes football because he opted out. I mean, it's in the middle of a pandemic, for God's sakes. What The guy opted out. So many people opted out of everything. People that didn't even opt out checked out mentally. So, you know, COVID divorces are through the roof. Trust me, I know. Your boy's in line to lose half of his shit right now. Um, it, it, people are just, you know, they always think the grass is greener on the other fucking side of social media, and it's not. So I... I I like everything about Parsons. I think he's a hell of an athlete. I think he's a hell of a player. James Franklin raves about him. I don't give a shit that he sat out COVID. I mean, it's again, it's a global fucking pandemic. As a guy who had West Nile virus back in the day, uh, it's not very fun to have autoimmune diseases that attack your lungs and you can't breathe and shit. So again, pandemic. Um, if he's there and they draft him, awesome. If they go after Patrick Sertain Jr., uh, or the second, I'd, I'd love that move too, especially with all these DBs that we've signed on one-year contracts. So I guess my point is this. I could really give a shit who they draft as long as that guy can come in and help this team win now. Because if they stay healthy on paper, on Madden, okay, Denver's loaded. They got dudes. They got receivers. They got his first round tight end. Melvin Gordon's supposed to be this elite back. Bill Lindsay's gone. He's going to get all the run. They've got a high-priced right guard. They have a high-priced right tackle. They've got a rookie center last year who really figured it out, Christian Berry, and, and did it right. They got a, an elite left guard in Dalton Reisner who they need to figure out a way to pay. They got an all-pro left tackle. You know, they've got a, a relatively good quarterback when he can have, when he has time and knows what he's looking at and he's not confused. It's pretty good, uh, but he seems really confused and unaware of what he's looking at an awful lot, and that's a huge problem for me especially being a huge meathead. And I don't really think it's that fucking hard to identify fronts and count four defenders for three receivers and things of that nature. I don't think it's that difficult. So I don't understand why he's so confused watching him on tape at times is pretty frustrating and almost enraging. Um, defensively with bond coming back and healthy and motivated and getting that $18 million fucking bump. Uh, that's awesome. And I just want to see Chubb and Bond on the same side in pass rush situations. I want to see a little bit more variety from Big Fangio uh, and Ed Donatello as they get this, this defense ready to go with the elite coverage players they have in the secondary. And, you know, the Shelby Harris getting paid and, and how dominant he is in three technique and all this, you know, Simmons getting paid and 
getting that security and the leadership and, and the, you know, being the, the guy here for the next four years, that's all well and good. It all sounds great. It all comes full circle back to the same thing I talk about over and over and over again with the Broncos. And that's simple. And that's coaching and motivation. And I don't think that Vic Fangio does a very good job of motivating his football team. I think he can't relate with them very well. Um, I think that he's like the old grandpa guy at the barbecue who doesn't want the music loud and like wants everybody gone by 530 and there's mosquitoes everywhere. So douse all the kids in off and no fucking fun. And we're here to have fun, but it's not fun. That guy, um, you know, it's like the old man at the amusement park who had fun once and it was terrible. That's Vic Fangio. And then Pat Schumer has been an offensive coordinator everywhere in the NFL for a reason. It's kind of like the two quarterback system. If you have two, you don't have one. Um, and I, I despise Pat's offensive scheme. I don't like the four wide and three wide looks. I hate the fact that he traded Andy Janovich uh, to, to Cleveland and then tried to run a quarter, uh, a fullback last year with a fucking tight end and this Cox kid. And I'm, I'm not saying they're going to play. I'm saying they don't have the same instincts that Janovich had at the position uh, that allowed him to run like a tailback and lead. Uh, lead Gordon or Lindsay, whoever it was last year, to daylight. Uh, every time I see a fullback in the backfield for the Broncos, he tends to run the wrong gap in the fullback. Like the best part about Lorenzo Neal and Mike Allstock, guys like that back in the day that actually played the position in Janovich now, uh, or or like in the lab this morning, I was walking and uh, the Riker guy from Baltimore, who's an ex-defensive lineman, wears 42 and is just out marking people at fullback. They do a really good job of understanding the front and which linebacker they're going to and then finding the hole and the back follows them to daylight. We have a huge problem with that here in Denver with our tight ends and fullbacks who do, don't know how to read and do a really, really bad job of running into everyone's back, consequently causing the back to do the same. So there's I think that the Broncos have a ton of potential. I want the draft to be over as fast as I can say, God, I want the draft to be over so we can start moving forward. Um, I'm really happy that so many guys are there uh, and working in-house. I love that Drew Locke went to work. I love that Reisner said he's going to work. I love that Austin's there. I love that Quinn's there. All my guys I'm working with are all at the facility. They're not here. That's what I'm looking for. Um, I don't really give a shit if the guys who have it figured out don't go in. That's a personal preference. Like I said last week when I had Mark Schlereth on episode 110, you know, I think it's stupid and selfish for the Broncos to go out and put that stupid-ass MO out there that they don't want to go in. But I only think it's stupid and selfish because they're not giving anybody the benefit of the doubt that we can actually read and see what's going on. Um, just blame it on the fact that you don't want to go in. Don't blame it on COVID. Don't blame it on protocols that just kept you safe and allowed you to play an entire fucking season. All you had to do was miss a couple of games or, or move a couple of games. No games were missed. So the, the protocols are there and everybody could be safe if they wanted to go. But there's just there's this thing in the NFL. It's called lazy ass veterans and they're everywhere. And that's what's happening right now. And there's no way to fucking cut it other than that. So if you're a lazy veteran, then trust me, they'll let you be lazy. That's what it is. The United States of America is full of lazy motherfuckers. If you want to be lazy and entitled and point the finger, trust me, they will let you. You are in the United States. Point that fucking finger. It's always someone else's fault. So, I mean, it, it kind of is what it is with the Broncos as we uh, as we move forward here on episode 111 of McChesney Unchained. Remember, check out showcasefootball.com for all the information on the camp here. Uh, May 14th, 15th, and 16th. Uh, and then make sure you check out at 60academy.com. Uh, 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 
and then at Circular Academy on Twitter and Instagram for everything and anything we do here uh, at the gym. I was just uh, on the phone with my ba- my man Blair Angulo the other day, getting all these boys down in the Dungeon Family ranked uh, and, and start up. And we've got a couple more kids that just hit. We had six more kids yesterday hit the rankings, and two of them are three stars, which means if you get ranked as a three star on 247, you're a Division One Power Five scholarship player in their opinion. And it doesn't work out like that every time, but it sure is good to see guys taking off. Two stars are, are college football fringe players that they're try, still trying to figure out. One star and zero stars. I don't mean you can't play. That just means maybe you're not being presented correctly. And that's kind of what we do down here at six zero. Um, we're not in the fucking friend business. We're in the football business. And, you know, all this emotion and sensitivity and bullshit that I have to hear on a daily basis in the great state of Colorado just tells me that they're not ready for real football in the great state of Colorado. You just want entitlement ball. You think you can pay for everything. And that's just not the way it works. There's certain people that need football and there's certain people that like football. And I'm a need football type. I need it every day. If I don't have it and I don't get the ability to do what I love every day, it drives me fucking nuts inside. There's some guys who just like football, though, and they'll be holding the fucking poster board with someone else's name on it, lickety split. So there's nothing wrong with being a fan. Just don't tell me you're a fucking ball player and then act like a goddamn fan, especially in Colorado, because you're going to get called on that bullshit lickety goddamn split. So as we move forward here on episode 111 of McChesney Unchained, I want to just kind of close today's show. And I know it's quick, but again, there's not a whole hell of a lot to talk about. Uh, I want to close today's show talking about uh, college football and the spring game up there in Boulder with the Buffs. Um, On June 1st, campuses open and kids can go on, on trips and go visit schools and I'm already set up with Nebraska to go to Lincoln and meet with their staff. I've already met with CU staff. I'm meeting with CSU staff. I was on the phone with them the other day. I'm going up to Wyoming. Anywhere that's driving, going out to Salt Lake. If I can drive there and go see the staff, I'm doing it to build that bridge for the Dungeon family and these kids and get them recruited. Um, It's really, really good to see so many of the kids up in Boulder uh, that we've placed up there, the Trustin Olivers, the Jake Wileys, the Raven Robinsons, you know, all the work we put in with Landman and, Casey Roddick, I know he's not up there for spring, but he'll be back. Big 70 will be out there crushing people. And Frank Philippe and how how well he's doing. And Matt Lynch, the tight end who transferred from UCLA and how well he's doing. And, you know, Worthington, the kid from Durango that we put in as an early enrollment this year and how well he's doing. And it's just, it's great to see everybody up there excelling under a guy in Chris Wilson and Carl Durrell and, you know, and, and Shiverini and those three as the, the figureheads up there as OCDC and head coach, the positivity levels through the roof. And I, I just, I want to talk about the fact that I wa- I saw like three or four different publications last week come out and say that the bus were going to be the three and nine, four and eight or five and seven. And to be completely honest with you, I, I haven't felt this disrespected as a CU fan since I was a senior at CU and fucking BG Brooks's punk ass came out and said we were going to go oh and fucking 12. And then we ended up going eight and five and winning the division and sticking it right in BG's ass. But BG, love you. If you take offense to that, it sucks, bro. Shouldn't have picked us to go oh and 12. We're not fucking friends. Um, I, I That's how I feel here. So if you're landmen, if you're, if you're, Lang, if you're Jalen Samai, if you're Kush, if you're Frank Philippe, if you're Brandon Lewis, if you're Matt Lynch, Matt Lynch if you're these guys on the team that are going to be required to play, if you're Casey Roddick, this shit should infuriate you. Infuriate. 
there's no respect in Boulder. And honestly, we haven't earned the respect to get, you know, put us in a position where we're being picked eight and four. Is our, is our schedule ruthless? Yeah, it's fucking hard. The Friday night UNC game is going to be the biggest party in CU history. I can't wait to go to it. The Texas A&M game at, at, at Empower is going to be a dogfight. They're really fucking good. Um, the reason A&M didn't want to come to Folsom is because every time we get them in Folsom, we whip that ass. And I don't really know if that's true, but that's the narrative I'm going to push. Minnesota is two years removed from an 11 win uh, football team that played in the, in the big 10 title game. So I'm, I'm again, I, or no, they lost to Wisconsin. So they were second in the West, but the PJ Fleck has those uh, boat rowers fucking doing their thing. They're not going to be as bad as they were last year during a COVID. Uh, and then, you know, at Arizona State to open up Pac-12 play, a team that they didn't play last year, you get USC at home. Uh, that's a huge game. UCLA is going to be big. They have to play Oregon. They have to play Washington. They got a fucking uh, – they got a gauntlet. And that's the way I like it. I don't want to play the Sisters of the Poor. We're not fucking Nebraska where we're trying to play Troy State and Alabama Tech and, like, you know, Louisiana, Lafayette, Northern Illinois, and we're going to lose to one of them. No, I ain't trying to do that shit. Now we want we want to play the big dogs, and I I personally think that this team is a sleeping giant from an experience standpoint, from a spite standpoint. Not only Lamin not winning the buckets and coming back from injury, but the disrespect showed to Carson Wells last year with the Pac-12 team and him not being on it yet leading the conference in TFLs and and, and all the plays he made. And, a young quarterback in Brandon Lewis is trying to figure it out. And this JT Stroud guys looks really good. And Noyer's coming back from, from a shoulder surgery. And you know, there's, my, there's only one guy to play quarterback. And I don't know who it's going to be, but damn, man, that, that competition's deep in that room. And this Clayton kid, the, the rookie last year, they brought it into the running back room. He's really killing it right now. And Broussard coming back and Magrum coming back and the depth there. And then, you know, Brandon Rice, and I think I think Rice is a bona fide first-round draft pick of the wide receiver position. I think he's going to be an uncoverable force next year. They've got crazy, crazy, crazy-ass depth at the tight end position where Brady and, and Brady Russell and Matt Lynch and all these guys are literally fighting for every rep every day. So you're going to see a lot of multiple tight end sets, which I fucking love. The ability to really smash people and scissor block and then the heavy play action, which I know Shiverini loves. And, and, you know, it just when I went up there and presented to the whole staff about six weeks ago and talked about all the guys in the room and who they should be recruiting and who they shouldn't and so on and so forth. This isn't a recruiting talk. This is just the the atmosphere in the room. And like when I sat down next to Carl and we're talking about the players and Darrell looks at me and said, look, you know, we, we have a standard here at CU that we haven't been living up to for the last 20 years. And I was like, bro, that you're you're speaking the fucking truth to me. I know the last time we won a bowl game, I my fat old ass was a senior. So the last time CU won a bowl game, I was holding the trophy after the game. That ain't fucking good. I'm 40, man. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm just saying, like, that's not good. So the the idea that just a good day's work is acceptable in Boulder is not there anymore. They're not just content with having a good day's work. They are 100% unequivocally uh, rolling towards trying to actually return to the dominance they had in the past. And I, I think they will. I think they have a really, really good opportunity to go out and show out. And, uh, and do what they need to do next year to be in a position to play for the Southern title and maybe play in the Pac-12 title game. And there's nothing on earth, nothing on earth more motivating than people telling you what you can't do or 
talking behind your back or having an opinion that isn't fucking true and it's just the narrative that they set out uh trust me i know that that's what happens to me on a constant i mean it, it, it's what it is so i do some of it to myself but at the same time other people's opinions and what they think it really seems to resonate with people these days and i don't understand it at all i don't give a fuck what anybody thinks man i'm of the mindset that when i put a goal out in front of me i'm going to get it and I think CU will be of that mindset this year. I think that the Broncos will be of that mindset this year. Uh, and, and, you know, that's the mindset. I want the Nuggets to take them to the playoffs. That we're here to take everything from you. We're not, you're not going to give us shit. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's good to see. So, you know, it, it's an opportunity for, for all three of those teams to really go out and prove a lot of people wrong and prove themselves right. That's the best part. Like I said, this is episode 111 of McChesney Unchained here at DNVR. Make sure you check out everything at DNVR.com. They do a great job down there off of Colfax. Uh, Not only with the bar and the atmosphere, but the studio down there is amazing. Uh, I am your host, Matt McChesney. Thank you to Adam for doing the show today and, and, uh, and, and making me sound good down there. Uh, we really appreciate it. Episode 111 of the Chesney Unchained is a wrap. We'll be back next week on Tuesday or Wednesday uh, to talk about the football camp and so much more as we get ready for the NFL draft next week, starting on the 29th. Uh, and yeah, that's that. So I'll be down at the Nugget game Saturday night from the sack down there at Paul Arena. And uh, I'll let you know how that atmosphere was. And we really appreciate everybody listening here in Unchained Nation. Check out mavenhemp.com and remember our good friends at DraftKings brings you uh, everything we do here on episode 111. So thanks, folks. Have a great day.